0: It's good to be with you guys today. If you've got a Bible, open up to Psalm 102. Psalm 102. Today, we're really excited to wrap up the series we've been in the last few weeks called Free to Be Human. Uh, We've kind of been exploring what it looks like to embrace our limitations in our humanity. And so if you are just joining us today, I want to catch you up to where we've been and kind of where we're launching into today. We've been exploring what it looks like to reject the Messiah complex mentality that's so easy for us to pick up, right? Right. This pressure that you and I maybe are familiar with in our day-to-day life, that we have to be everything, know everything, fix everything. We have to hold our lives together, and if we don't, things just might fall apart or people might bail on us, right? We've been talking about what it looks like to then look up to God and go, who, God, are you uniquely? What is it about God that makes him uniquely God? And then where does that begin to speak to us so that we can actually embrace our limitations, not shame ourselves because of them, but in them receive grace from God. That's what this whole series has been about. What makes God uniquely God and what does that mean for us now? Where do we receive the gospel in the midst of that? And so today we're gonna finish up this conversation. If you want to jump online or on our podcast and catch the the other messages, I would encourage you to do that. It's been a really helpful series, but today we're gonna finish up by talking about the great unchangeableness of God, the great immutability, the big theological word of God. He never changes. And we're gonna talk about what that means for us an ever-changing world. So if you've got a Bible, Psalm 102, the words will be on the screen behind me. If you don't have a text, I wanna look at just two verses, verses 25 through 27. Begin our time reading this, pray,
1: and then jump in.
0: Word of Jesus speaks to us like this. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment, and you will change them like a robe, and they will pass away, but you are the same, and your years have no end. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this word to us today. And even before we speak about it in this room, I want to already say thank you for your character to us. Thank you for who it is that you are, even what we read from this text, that you stay the same. God, I pray that you would anchor us down into the strength, the boldness, the unbreakable, unshakableness of your character. God, bolster us in the strength that is you for us and with us now. Jesus, this is your church. You've resurrected from the dead and you are living and active to speak and to shape us as your people. Would you please do so in this moment? We pray in your strong name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, my family and I have been on the ground here in Oklahoma for about seven weeks. We've been in our house for about a month now and we're settling in more and more to our new life here in Oklahoma City. And it's been fun for us to move back after being away for about 13 years because there's all sorts of growth and development and new stuff that excites us about date night and new places to eat all over the city. It's been fun to explore all these new things. But what's also been fun for us in these last few weeks is going back to some of the old places, going back to some of the places from our childhood that we remember growing up. And we'll take and we'll, we've kind of done this 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 chronicle moment of touring the old places of Chad and Emberley with our kids. And we'll show, hey, this is where mommy grew up and this is what she did. And this is, what, this is where daddy went to school and this is where he grew up. And our kids just always kind of look at that and they go, so when are we gonna get Brahms? You know? Uh, it's been a lot of fun for us. These days have been filled with all sorts of nostalgia and memory and right in the middle of all this nostalgia is even the house that we bought. So oddly enough, in way, no way that my wife or I would have ever planned, we end up buying a house in the Yukon area that's a street over from the street that I grew up on where I grew up as a kid and so I have these almost daily memories that are flooding my mind images from my past of what happened for me in my formation years of growing up in that little house you know and I wonder what are people doing in that house that I grew up in and I pass by it almost every day around the corner from our house I still have real vivid images of after school fights that broke out and the first time I ever ran from the cops you know Um, the only time I ever ran from the cops and and uh, I still have places in my neighborhood where I remember gashing my knee on a bike wreck and scars today to prove it. There's all sorts of stuff that's just been so fun to remember. We love the newness of this season, but there's also been this anchoring, this comfort of old familiar places that haven't changed at all. And I know I feel like a little bit of an old man as I say that at 33, you know, but there's something about me that's loving the old stuff, the stuff that hasn't changed. When I get around some of these places that are still the same as they've always been, there's this deep sense of rootedness that sort of anchors in me. You know, this sense of rootedness and stability and security. And and it comes with this long-standing familiarity. Now, this isn't just a personal testimony because all of us know something of this. Every one of us in the room knows something of areas in our life where things come and things go, things change and things are different, but there are certain people There are certain relationships, certain things, certain places that you work really hard to keep the same. You work about, there's certain things in your life that you, things can come, things can go, but this has to stay the same. We work hard to freeze certain moments in our life that bring us joy and stability. So so for example, surely there, for those of you who are parents in the room, there have been moments where you've looked at your little ones in, in in their tenderness of toddler or just older than that or wherever your favorite age is and you look at them and you say, I don't want you to ever grow up. Can you stay right here? And then there's empty nesters in the room to go, no, it's, okay. it's kind of okay when they grow up. You got all kinds of freedom, but you've had that moment where you say, I want you to stay, you know? Or maybe there's a moment where you've had a family vacation or a dinner with some family or friends or your spouse. In the midst of the conversation and the food and the environment, there's been a moment in the back of your head where you thought, I don't want this to end. I just want to hang on to this moment forever or maybe it's it's something other than that it's a family uh tradition around the holidays that people come in people are married in-laws come in new spouses come in kids are born and all this kind of stuff change happens all over the place but there are certain family traditions that you're sort of hell-bent to say it doesn't matter what comes we will do this you know this tradition will be ours there are certain things in our life that we want to stay the same we need this right And even for those of you in the room who go, I love change. I can't wait for change. I I look for change to happen. Even for you, there's still a way in your life where there are things that you want to anchor you down with stability amidst the welcomed changes. So we live in an ever-changing world. I'm not saying anything new today. Politically, things are changing. Economically, things are shifting. Relationships that you have, they come and they go. People pass away before we expect them to. Think about Job security is a real issue that many of us have to grapple with and wonder about. And am I going to be able to support my family long term? Think about other things in, in the ways of our bodies, the way we age and we change and we tire and we wear out. Think about even your own sense of ambition and your sense of self and emotions. You have feelings that ebb and they flow, they rise and they fall, and sometimes you have to wonder, who, who am I? Even your sense of self changes, Right? So it's almost a part of the human experience where we're constantly grasping, we're constantly looking, where can I find something that won't move that I can anchor down into amidst all that's moving all around me, you know? And it almost seems like in the world we live, that the only thing that we can count on is change itself. But here's what I find fascinating for our conversation today and where the Bible opens to us even though it feels like the only thing we can count on is change itself, when we turn to the Bible, what we find is something even more true. The only thing we can count on is God himself and he doesn't change. So it's not change itself, the only reliable, it's God himself who never changes. This is the message of Psalm 102. This is a unique prayer in the book of Psalms because it's a prayer of lament and suffering, one who's looking for stability in a confusing world around him. And at the end of the prayer, in verse 25, he begins to say some really stable things about God. Look at it again. In 25, he says, "'Of old you laid the foundations of the earth.'" And the heavens are the work of your hands. So he speaks of the timelessness of God. The fact that God has always been as old as the creation itself is. God is older still. He goes on. He says, they will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. He's speaking of the fact that nothing in creation remains the same. Things are always shifting, always changing, always fading. But look at the end of his prayer here. The end of 26 and 27. He says, you will change them like a robe and they will pass away. But here's how God is greatly different. 27, but you are the same. and your years, God, your years and who you are and your life and your existence, there is no end. And so if we were reading this whole psalm of 102, we would find all kinds of questions and confusions this psalmist has. But at the very end of his prayer, he anchors down to the one thing that never changes. That's the unchangeableness of God himself. It's as if he says there's all kinds of stuff in this life I can't understand and I don't understand. But you, God, your character, your love, your purposes, they don't change. The unchangeableness of God. So this week as I was studying, one of the things I found fascinating that I never really took into consideration is how often the Bible speaks of God this way. What we're talking about God and his unchangeableness isn't isolated. to just is Psalm 102. This is a message all through the scriptures. So in the Psalms alone, this one book of prayers alone in the Old Testament, over 20 times you have a reference to God being a rock. This image of God's unbreakable character, the certainty of his purposes and his plans just 20 times in Psalms alone. And then you move forward for the rest of Scripture, and you're going to find all different aspects of how God doesn't change in, his different, uh, in, in different ways in his being. So, for example, James 1.17, God never changes in his perfections. It says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights. And look at what it says about God here. With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So he's unchanging in his perfections. Psalm 33, he's unchanging in his purposes. Look at what it says. The counsel of the Lord, the ways of the Lord, they stand forever. And then it says this, the plans of his heart, the purposes of his heart, the things he sets out to accomplish, they exist and they stay the same from generation to generation. Numbers 23, God is unchanging in his promises It says this, God is not man that he should lie. He's not a son of man that he should change his mind. Praise God for that. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? When God speaks it, it comes to pass. He's unchanging in his promises. And then about as plainly as the Bible could possibly say it, in Malachi 3, verse 8, God speaks through his prophet and he says, For I, the Lord, do not change so we have this grandeur of god he's unchanging in his perfections he's unchanging in his purposes he's unchanging in his promises he it's not that he doesn't change part of what it means for him to be god is that he can't change he can't be any different than he is because he's the uttermost of everything excellent he can't change he's bound in his own perfections he's unchangeable So what we've just done here is a great download of the the breadth of Scripture when it speaks of who God is this way. I wanted us just to take that in. I wanted us this morning just on the front end to take in who it is that the Bible is telling us about God. And so for the rest of our time together, here's what I want us to do. Now that we've seen this, so what? I want us to answer the so what question. Because understanding God in this way, what I want us to see this morning is understanding God here has everything to do with your everyday life and faith. Everything to do with your everyday moments of being a mom, being a dad, being an employee, being a friend, being a brother, being everything that you, the understanding God here has everything to do with your everyday life and faith. And it all starts with the way that this helps us relate to God. So run with me here. The forever sameness of God means that there's nothing in God that rises or falls based on anything in us. You tracking with that. There's nothing in God that rises or falls based on anything in us. So there's not, a, there's not any action that you could ever do, good or bad, that would ever add to or diminish from God's perfections. There's nothing you could ever do, good or bad, that would either add to or diminish from God. He's he's consistent in his holiness, in his faithfulness, in his glory. God is who he is unchangingly. And when you think about what this means for our salvation, the whole gospel hangs on the dependence of God never changing. So because this is true, everybody listen to this. Because this is true, there's never gonna be a day when God's gonna wake up on the wrong side of the bed toward you. God's not moody. He's not gonna have some cosmic mood swing that puts him in a different view toward you. It's not gonna happen. We never have to fear, because this is true, we never have to fear God ejecting on us. We never have to fear one day that he'll feel differently about us. We never have to fear that there's going to come a day in the midst of our brokenness and inability to actually get it right, that we feel all the time, there's never going to be a day where he's going to wish he hadn't sent Jesus for us. There's never a possibility. It's not, it's not a possibility for there to be a moment in God because of his unchangingness where he will change the verdict that Jesus purchased for you. So you hear, you see how big this is for us? You see how stable this makes God's great work for us? So that when he saved you, he can't change his verdict over you because his decision over you was made with every sin that you would ever commit, past, present, and future, in full view of his unchanging, exhaustive knowledge. I know I'm talking big language and big ideas here, but do you see how this holds us in the present? So let me say it this way. When God saved you, he was eyes wide open on you. Even those areas in your life that you fear judgment or that you seek to keep hidden in fear that if someone finds out, something horrible might happen. He's eyes wide open even there. And listen, he's never flinched and he never will. He's never, so God's never gonna remove from you his saving purposes, never. Because once his saving purposes are in motion, once he sets his love on you, he's unchanging in his purposes until the day he brings it to completion. The saving purposes of Jesus are fixed on you, believer. The keeping purposes of Jesus are fixed on you you can't do anything about this because you did nothing to even earn it in the first place. He simply set it on you unchangingly. And so I'll never forget the first time, I hope you're taking that in, because I'll never forget the first time I really heard about the one-sided fixed love of God for me. It changed everything. I was a senior in high school. I'd been a believer for about a year. And I was at this really kind of difficult place in my life and in my faith. I was just a year into following Jesus, but I had a lot of stuff going on in my family, My mom was suffering through her fourth marriage at the time. It was the second time that we had been unexpectedly left, and I didn't know my real dad. And so I I just had all kinds of bustedness and depression and anxiety in my life. And at the time, I was going to a church that preached a really strong self-help theology. So every Sunday, I would hear sermons like this. If you want to follow Jesus, it's going to mean four keys to this five steps to that, seven pathways to this. It was all this hyper-practical to-do kind of preaching. And what I end up feeling is after seven weeks of listening to that kind of stuff, I've now got 48 things to do, and I'm terrible at all of them. Right? I'm in this kind of conflicted space, and all Christianity is is an ever-growing to-do list. And I wanted to follow Jesus. I just felt too busted to do so. And I, I felt like he didn't work for me. So I was literally at a place where I was considering just walking out on the whole thing altogether. And this is how I walked in the counseling room. <laughs> so I walked in and I started just talking to my counselor about all the stuff that's going on in my life. And all the stuff that kind of brought me to this space. And I, I, mean, I'm telling you, as sure as I stand here, I still have vivid images of what it was like for him to have heard me talk for a while. And then at a certain point in our conversation, he leaned forward. He locked me in the eye. He said, what if I told you that God loves you and it has nothing to do with you? God loves you and has nothing to do with anything in you that rises or falls. His love for you is just consistent no matter what's happening in you. And I remember... He said that and it just caught me right that day. And I had tears streaming down my face and I looked back at him and I said, that's the greatest news I've ever heard. I just don't believe it's true. Hearing that on that day set me on a course that I still haven't gotten over to this day and coming to understand that God's saving and redeeming purposes over me and over you and over anyone who believes his saving and redeeming purposes are rooted entirely in him unchangingly, unchangingly. So there's never a moment where God's gonna look at you and wish he could use an eraser or hit the undo button. When he sets his saving purposes in motion, he has his own character attached to it and it will not, it cannot change. When you just sink your teeth into that, that will absolutely change the way you relate to God. Absolutely change. But God's unchangingness doesn't just stay with how we relate to him. It also now begins to affect the way that you and I relate to each other. One of the things I've loved about this series is the way it's helped us come to the surface of all these areas that we we know God, We know about God, and so our problem isn't a lack of knowledge. Where you and I tend to struggle is leaving our knowledge about God abstracted from our daily life so it never connects down here. So what we want is we want to believe about God and have all this stuff to say about God, but when it comes to the real stuff of life, give me money, give me people, give me stuff, because that's the stuff that really makes a difference. We would never say that out loud, but that's how we often function. I'll believe about God, but give me real, tangible stuff I can see and feel that makes a difference in my life, right? Right? And so very often in our life, what ends up happening is we prefer people and stuff in the place of God. And we do this all the time in our relationships. So when it comes down to your relationships, what what happens most often for us is we'll place these unrealistic expectations of always and never on the people in our life. And so here's what I mean. Some of you, to fill the gap of loneliness in your life, you'll look to certain friendships to always satisfy you. Or you have spouses in the room that you'll begin to look at one another as people who you will never hurt me and you will never let me down. Or you have parents in the room. And this is the case for my wife and I at times. Where you almost look to your kids and it's foolish, but, but we still do it. You look to your kids as those who will always validate you. As if to say, look at the significance and the importance and the goodness of who I am. You can see it in my kids. My kids speak of my greatness. It's foolish, but we do it, right? It's foolish. Like, Look at how good my kids are. It's because I'm so good, you know? We do this. Or maybe you look to an unchanging social status of what people think about you and how they approve of you to be your security and your stability that they will always be there for you to tell you who you are and how important you can be. The problem with putting always and never expectations on people is that people are never, always or never, anything. Right? We're just not that consistent. That kind of consistency only belongs to God. It only belongs to him. So at best, you and I very often act in certain ways, or we're fairly regular in certain kinds of characteristics. And even if we're super excelling, we're habitual in certain ways but we're never, always, or never. When we start placing those kinds of expectations on people around us, we're putting them on a God-like category that they could never live up to. And we just set ourselves up for discontentment in our relationships. They're not responding to me like they should. They should do this. They always, we're setting ourselves up for discontent, disappointment, for pain, for cynicism. And so the great unchangeableness of God, when we embrace it, and we actually take it out of the air and put it into our real life, it changes relationships. Because what happens is now, you can free other people to be human and free yourself to be human with them. Now this doesn't mean that you and I start settling for inconsistency. Well, I'm not God, I'm not consistent, so just take on my unfaithfulness. Like, that's not what we're saying. <laughs> we're not saying that somehow we should be unfaithful to we No, what we're, here's what we're saying all of a sudden you realize I'm not God and neither are you. You start freeing people to actually be humans, to actually have frailty, to actually have limitations. And then as much as you possibly can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we seek to be good image bearers. So we still seek to be faithful to one another. We still seek to be generous and kind and committed, but we will fail. And when we do, here's the great thing about this. We can begin to give the grace to one another that has already been unchangingly given to us. So you see that? It's not making an excuse for inconsistencies. It's just acknowledging I'm not that consistent, but there's one who is. Can we just look to Jesus and be more like him over time? His unchangingness actually affects our relationships. But lastly, this morning, when we think about the unchangeable ever steadiness of God, it shapes the way we relate to ourselves and the ever-changing seasons of life. So everyone's life in this room is changing. It's part of what it means to be human. From the day you breathe your first breath into the day you breathe your last, your life is under one ongoing change. And the older we get, and I say this as a 33-year-old man, the older we get, I already feel this on me, we become all the more resistant to Change. We don't want to change anymore because I'm old, I'm tired, I want my stuff, I want my routines, I want my predictability, let me have my things, right? This is how we get as we get older. And God knows this about us. God sees this about us. He's not surprised by this in us, but listen. He's still the one that allows and even ordains every change that comes into your life. So there's not a single changing of season. There's not a single shifting from one life stage to the next that happens apart from the command of God. One of my favorite preachers, Charles Spurgeon, he makes a comment about the the command of God. He says, there's not a single molecule in the cosmos that bounces apart from the command of God. Nothing happens apart from God's command, nothing. Every life stage transition, every season of life, It's all happening with the command of God. And because of Jesus, you and I have the great promise of Romans chapter eight. Romans eight, a very famous verse that many of us know. 28, look at this. It says that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. So we think about the changing of life, the changing seasons, the shifting of one life stage to the next, and then we look at this verse. God is working all of that together for our good. Now, we typically stop here and just feel warm about that, but we've got to ask a question this morning. If God's working all things together for our good, then what's the good that God's working? Like, what is our good? We We don't make that up. We don't get to define what's good for us. God defines it, and the rest of this verse tells us about it. So God's working all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Look at 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, he planned, he fixed that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus. So God is working all things together for good. What is your good? Through every change, through every season of life, what is the good that God's working for you? That good is that you would be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so for every change in life, moving from singleness to newly married to young family, every change, even those where you receive a disappointing message or note from the doctor that's going to force you now to adjust to a new unwelcomed normal in your life. Every change, moving to a new city, making new friends, adjusting to a new budget after a job setback. The list of changes I could talk about this morning are endless. But for every single one of those changes is a God who's working all things together to push you more deeply into Jesus. And what he's doing is he's peeling our fingers through every change, through every unfamiliarity, through every anxiety because we don't know what's coming for us. He's peeling our fingers off of our false securities built around our predictabilities. And he's then reattaching them to him who's unchangingly with us and for us in every bit of that. And so, this doctrine of God's unchangeableness actually helps us embrace life, whatever comes, because He's in all of it and He's with us to stable us. And the last thing I want to say this morning it's not just for seasons of life, but the unchangeableness of God also means that you can change. It means that you and I, we can change. There's only one being in the entire universe who cannot change. It's not you. It's not you. One of the greatest lies that the enemy wants to sell every one of us is that you are who you are and you cannot change. You're stuck where you are and there are certain things about you that will always be that way until the day you drop and so everybody else just better deal with it. We believe this lie. There are areas of your life today, I'm I'm sure of it. This is the cause of humanity. There are areas of your life today for anyone. You just feel like, I can't get out of this. I can't get out of this. But hear the logic of the gospel for a second. God would not go to such great lengths to send his own son, to break his body on a cross, raise him up from the dead to pay for your sins, to win you over uh, over to him, just to leave you the way you are. God has gone to massive lengths to get you, not just to leave you there. He's gone to win you and he loves you right where you are. He loves you just the way you are today, right where you are, but he also loves you too much to leave you there. He saved you for new life. He saved you for new life. And so the Bible proclaims to us that God is unchangingly committed to our conformity to Jesus. He's going to get us there. He purchased righteousness for us. And so for those areas of your life today, maybe some of you are coming in and it feels like you're fighting, you're struggling, you're warring after change in your life, but it feels today like you're left on an island by yourself with no help and God's nowhere to be found. I know that place. If that's where you are today, Hear this, your feelings don't define what's true in God. God's word defines what's true over your life and his word is shouting as loud as possible today that he is unchangingly committed to have us, to keep us and to change us. Unchangingly committed to those things. And so you're not defined today by who you are today instead everyone who believes in jesus what defines you is a broken body shed blood and an empty tomb that speaks a much stronger word than anything you can put together for yourself and so for those of you who are fighting sin which is all of us don't give up Wherever you're fighting, wherever you're warring, wherever you're healing, keep pressing in, keep begging, keep asking, keep seeking because God will heal you. He's even using the process to do so. So there's coming a day and here's where I want us to breathe. There's coming a day when all change will be final. There will be no more change. There's coming a day like this a day where every ounce of, of energy you put forward to change and it felt like it wasn't happening, there'll be a day when it's shown to all of us where we go, oh my gosh, every ounce of that energy was absolutely worth it. This is First John chapter three. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been appeared to us. It's not yet been shown to us. It's not yet appeared. But look at what it says. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So the stuff that you're seeking to bring before God to have changed in your life. The stuff that you're seeking to get rid of and throw off the sin that so easily entangles to fix your eyes on Jesus, that struggle, though you feel it today, there's a promise in this word that we will not feel it forever. There's coming a day when Jesus will bring eternal relief and we will be like him as he is because we will see him face to face and faith will no longer be our story, but life with him forever. And so we look forward to this coming day when our strong and our steady and our secure God, our unchanging God will establish us in his presence unchangingly. Our unchangeable God is moving us toward a day when we will be there with him uninterrupted and unchangingly for trillions and trillions of years. This is our story in the cross, an empty tomb. He is our God. And in this great doctrine of his, his great character, he actually now sets us free to be his people. Amen.